What's up, Jay Browns? Live from Brooklyn, New York, and Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, this is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fast. My co-host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal. What's up, dude? Uh, it actually turned out to be a pretty nice day here in Brooklyn. I woke up today... And it was cold, so I threw on this new long sleeve tee I got on Depop. Uh, I scooped up a long sleeve NWL Wolfpack long sleeve. Oh, tight! Yeah, black and red. It says N- it's got NWO down the sleeve. It was. May I just say that was like a comedian's way of setting up that talking about. It. You're like, <laughs> it was a really nice day in Brooklyn. You know, it was, uh, it, was, <laughs> it was cold at first, so I threw on my long sleeve. You ever notice when you're wearing a long sleeve from the Wolfpack? <laughs> Uh, glad you approve of that segue. Uh, yeah, love yeah, it. Dude, love yeah, dude, it. I, Professional. I cannot wait to wear that. But it, it's like it's hot outside now. I mean, in this, I got the window closed. The fans are off, so this room gets pretty steamy. So I'm wearing a, a t-shirt now instead. So, and I was really excited to show you. It's the second variation I have of the same shirt. There's a huge wolf on the front. He's biting into red NWO. I have a short sleeve, and now I have the long sleeve. The long sleeve is usually very expensive. For some reason, I think it's because it's like a youth extra large that it uh, was cheaper than the long sleeves normally are. And is this the surprise bit that you were like, <laughs> hyping me up about? Like, <laughs> that would, are you talking about this? Dude, shirt? that would be such a bummer surprise bit. Not, like, I mean, it, like not not. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not. I'm not not psyched about this shirt. I just uh, maybe, it's very interesting. maybe not the best surprise ever. It is. Not, I, I promise, it is not the surprise bit uh, that I have for you. I would that I was going to send you and Thomas, but uh, did not. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny. Like I, I, I like that both of us, like, cause I've, I've been in, uh, self quarantine since March. I mean, thankfully I'm an illustrator. I'm able to stay home. I'm able to do my job from home. So leaving is not something that is a part of my daily routine anyways. Uh, it, even if I wasn't self quarantined, I spend a lot of time at home drawing. Uh, but throughout, I was just thinking like earlier this week, you sent me that picture of you at the pawn shop pillaging through action figures and it's funny that we both right. are doing the same thing but i'm doing the quarantine version of it where i'm on etsy ebay and depop searching for different wrestling related things uh yeah i am on ebay a little bit but i'm mostly buying laser discs and hd dvds because i just got an hd dvd player recently oh, right so yeah. i'm scooping up like being john malkovich and like carlito's way and just the better movies that were released on that format but uh yeah i'm lucky enough that i live in Moncton, New Brunswick, and we're fairly doing fairly good here. Haven't had any new cases in a while, so I am able to go to pawn shops. And uh, there was a huge box of wrestling toys, John. There was like fifty. There was like a like three foot CM Punk. Oh, that's who that like... was. I was going to ask who that. I couldn't tell. Was the big? There was, was the two. one in the package. There... Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. I thought so. Yeah. I thought it was Eddie Guerrero. And so I was looking because I I didn't buy a Shawn Michaels figure. They had once, and they had three Shawn Michaels in the box. And the and the guy who was working there, you know, he said. Oh yeah, that's the the whole box might be going, and I just said, hey, but he doesn't need three Shawn Michaels, does he? <laughs> like he doesn't need all three. Like, come on, you can sell me a Shawn Michaels, but uh, he would not be swayed. You picked up something this week though, because is it, wasn't it this week that you sent me the all? <laughs> you sent me the all blue Sub Zero, or is that a thing that I looked up online and you got like rated? I bought along with buying some some DVDs the other day. I did buy a boxed johnny cage oh thing. right it was johnny cage from mortal Kombat like nine basically yeah he's gonna be the king the champion of your new faction 
he is several feet taller than all of the wrestlers, so I, I suspect he will be <laughs> he will rule house in. <laughs> I didn't realize those my those were that be, that those were that big. Um, I mean feet from like a, a relative scale, <laughs> but uh, like to us, it's only like an oh, inch so it's taller, not actually three feet them, tall, bro. I know action what size action figures are. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Anyway, yes, so I bought that. I wouldn't have bought any other Mortal Kombat character. You were talking about wanting to buy Scorpion right, you, Sub-Zero. You, lo- you, so. you sent me that, and then I looked it up, and I found that All Blue Sub-Zero. And it, it's in that All yeah, Blue, it's in the price range that I would only buy, like, I don't know, like an Onita action figure, a Muda action figure at, like, 150 I'm not, I would only yeah, buy was, a Mortal Kombat expensive. figure if it was at, like, a pawn shop or, like, a junk store or something for, like, 20 I, bucks. Yeah, I got an inbox for 25 and I didn't pay for it. I just traded in a bunch of old CDs that I forgot I had. Dude, that rules. And that's 25 Canadian, uh, so, you know. Dude, I've been, like, killing it just cleaning out my basement of all this stuff that I didn't even think I could sell. Like, old NES adapters and stuff. They, like, buy... They bought everything. Wait, you got two wrestlers, too, didn't you? You meant you might have mentioned it, and I got discovered. Yeah, I brought it. I brought, I brought an old Hunter I didn't like very much. Mm. Um, I have one Hunter. He's screaming, and he's in DX. Kept that one. But I have another one where he's just standing there screaming, and he's in, like, blue jeans and no shirt. So I sold that Hunter for, like, a newer hunter who was like had the shaved head like the modern triple h and then um i also picked up oh yeah a, a newer big show because i had a big show from 99 but to scale with my wrestlers like he was smaller than braun Strowman and like other wrestlers and I, I didn't think that was right so i got a later big show that's actually bigger than all my other wrestlers Paul White. So to scale he he is <laughs> yeah hell yeah that's yeah. sick yeah, yeah the last yeah, the last figure i bought i just bought a uh june akiyama figure that's he's in two parts and i didn't buy it because of who it is uh so he's in two parts yeah he like comes i bought him because right now i'm working on some sculptures that are gonna i'm gonna turn into like cast action figures of like my comic characters and this this Tight. figure comes like he's a bottom half and then there it's there's like a little like i don't know <laughs> if you were watching <laughs> the podcast you would think he was doing dick right now <laughs> He just like unsheathed his middle <laughs> finger and just started like stroking. There's a little, there's How is that not dick? There's a little nub, and then you connect the top half of to the torso to it. And I like that it's built in two parts. Do you parts. have to buy them separately? Every, or? Everything that I, yeah, you know, no, no, no. He's, he's it's one figure. <laughs> I found the okay. seller. I was gonna say, imagine just getting the bottom half of a wrestling figure for Christmas and like opening it up under the tree, and it's just like, oh, it's that's kind of Val an interesting Venus's idea. Pelvis. <laughs> I actually have. This is the second, Al week Snow's in, head. second week in a row. I don't have that figure here. I apologize for the poor audio quality. But Your sound is really good on the podcast right now, by the way. The figure that oh, I'm working on. what? That's the surprise. That must be this, the surprise. This is still not the surprise. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so awesome. We just happen to, to be talking about action figures. So, so that's Haunted yeah, Francis. Haunted Francis. Uh, I'm working on two different. This is terrible audio right now. I'm coming we're back. not describing it I, at all. No, we're just not describing what we're looking at. Oh. It is a Haunted Francis, which is one of John's comic book characters. Haunted Francis is a gentleman who has a giant skull on his chest, uh, which um, keeps him from being able to secure a lot of jobs because he is very vulgar and uh, screams a lot and basically just like ruins a lot of shit. Um, but then he realizes that uh, that, that negative for most jobs is actually a, a very good positive for professional wrestling. So haunted Francis actually becomes a professional wrestler. And I, I want to say his chest almost becomes like his manager. Yes. Um, that's how, that's how it, it, it works out. The, the skull cuts, the promos haunted Francis throws down the high flying Jushin thunder Liger moves. 
Uh, yeah, but yeah, so that, he, that, just, that, he created a sculpture of it. Yeah, which the we just thing I just at. showed Mark is a, it's like maybe eight inch Sculpey sculpture that I've been working on. That's what, like when I was watching all I've been working on it. Like when I was messaging you that I was watching all those old uh, kung fu movies. That's what I was burning through while I was sculpting this thing. Um, but oh, sick! Yeah, the next like Double Dragon. Yeah, Double Dragon and uh, like Ninja Three: The Domination. Um, right. Yeah, I was that going sounds to, like it would be fun. And Double Dragon sounds like it would be a slog. That's exactly right. Uh, but okay. yeah, so that I have a Junakiyama coming in two pieces and some FN, old FMW uh, magazines. But the surprise for today, it, I was wow. for you. I guess every all of these things uh, technically are surprises. But this is—I mean, nothing the, will top the shirt that you're not even wearing right now, and you're just describing I, to me. I think that. <laughs> How could that oh, be right, taught? you're being facetious. Oh, Mark, I was wearing a shirt earlier. Let me tell you all about it. Dude, I was psyched. It actually felt cold this morning in Brooklyn. But anyways, so uh, I, a couple days ago, I started... My little brother has a crazy YouTube archive of like stuff. He's been posting to YouTube since he was like 12. Yeah. And he's archived a lot of our old family videos, uh, which, oh. which is very great uh, because uh, this is, it was completely accident that I came across this. But I'm going to play you. I think that this will be enough. I'm going to play it on here. I think you'll be able to hear it, too. I'm going to play you some Amazing. audio of me and my mom the morning in the morning. She's filming me before a pay-per-view. Oh, my God. Uh, so I'll go ahead and play this. Yes, please. Mankind do it. So and I'll give you not of course I'll give you a visual of myself shirtless <laughs> uh, moving around. So my mom for you, Mark, in case you couldn't totally hear that, uh, my mom is asking you think Stone Cold. She asked me win? who I thought was gonna win, and then she knows I love mankind, and those of you that are listening that have received Torture Rackage 4, you know that a lot of the the if you've read it, the Tokyo trip, a lot of that was uh, built upon my obsession with McFoley and the first sort of the first ideas or the first uh, realization that I had that people actually traveled to Tokyo, Japan, was that McFoley was wrestling in Japan and someone from the states was in Japan creating this huge legacy and that's what initially made me want to go to Japan when I was a little kid. I feel like before that, I, it's not like I really had any sort of frame of reference for like world travel outside of wrestling. So. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's kind of like how I learned to travel by watching The Simpsons. <laughs> but anyway, so going going back to that, so my mom asks, says, "Do you think Stone Cold's going to win? What about your boy Mankind?" I googled Stone Cold versus Mankind and searched to find what this would have been and what what uh, pay per view that would have been that my mom is asking me about. She so from looking at the different times they faced each other, I believed that this was Survivor Series 1998. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Mankind. Do you remember this? Survivor Series, the deadly the, game? I used to have the tape. So I went back and watched that match, and it's really cool to see the two of them face off against each other. And I feel like it's... I You maybe remember because you have the tape, but for people who maybe haven't uh, thought about that match in a while, it's uh, the year... That year is the same year that Stone Cold won the uh, championship from HBK at WrestleMania. It's crazy to think about how much happened in the WWF in 1998. But uh, so yeah, true. and the de- the deck is stacked against Stone Cold uh, in this tournament and 
mankind is kind of being a stooge to McMahon and his cronies during this match. So about like five minutes into the match, McMahon and all his cronies come out. Stone Cold notices them there, but they're kind of just at the entranceway while they watch Mankind and Stone Cold go back and forth. And this crowd's like totally wired. And it's so cool to see, dude. Also, the way that they got Mankind versus Stone Cold, Mankind beat Gilberg in the first round. What? And they like, they intentionally, also they kind of downplayed his win against Al Snow, which, come on, Al Snow is a bigger win. I don't understand Gilberg was active. He, while yeah, Goldberg yes, was active. Yes, and it wasn't. Uh, but his name was like something. It wasn't actually Gilberg. It was. Uh, <laughs> I can't, can't think of his name right now. But the guy that played Gilberg, that's who Ma- Mankind beat to get to Stone Cold. Uh, but yeah, oh, it must have been a top roster at the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually, it kind of was, dude. There was eighteen matches on this pay per view. Really? Yes. All, all of the, because the Deadly Game tournament took place. So Mankind defeated Dwayne Gill. Al Snow defeated Jeff Jarrett. Stone Cold defeated Big Boss Man. Regal defeated X-Pac. Shamrock defeated Goldust. The Rock defeated Big Boss Man. Undertaker defeated Kane. Mankind defeated Al Snow. The Rock defeated Ken Shamrock. And then we get to one of the final matches, Mankind versus Steve Austin. And it's just cool going back because we the last Stone Cold match I watched, I think, was the match that we watched together where uh, it was just a rewatch for both of us. Bret Hart versus Stone Cold. Uh, classic yeah. match. One of the greatest ever. And Amazing. it's cool to just see kind of an ancillary match that doesn't wasn't uh, necessarily... It's not like going to be collected onto any sort of best of list or anything like that, but... Halfway through this match, like Stone Cold hits this huge Luthez press and just the whole crowd becomes unglued in such an incredible way. And ultimately, Stone Cold loses this match. And it's the most anticlimactic loss that I think I can remember. We've watched so much wrestling since we started this podcast and just we in general, we watch a lot of wrestling. And Briscoe hits Stone Cold with the weakest chair shot like I think like if you and I tried to fake a chair shot because we wouldn't want to hurt each other, I think that it would look a lot like the chair shot Briscoe <laughs> does in Stone Cold where it's like, I don't know, it's almost like he is moving in slow motion and then just drops the chair when it hits Stone Cold's head. That's so weird because you got a, a like a bruiser like, you know, seven year old Gerald Briscoe. Um, yeah well and hitting stone, stone Cold. Chair. Yeah, in the Attitude Era, it's like you just think it would. <laughs> well, I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're always like. There is uh, like some sort of uh, Zoom delay for you, but it's only for my irony. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think you're being, I think you're being genuine, and you're not. But that gets the three count. Stone Cold loses. But I just, it was, it's just very surreal to see a uh, a video of myself so excited to see Stone Cold and Mankind face each other from 22 years ago. The other thing I found, and this is completely not related to our podcast or wrestling at all, is my brother also uploaded... Oh, please continue. <laughs> my brother <laughs> uploaded a, a video of us when we first got a PS2, and we got it the year it came out, oh. and it's so cool to see like myself experiencing such it a didn't... huge level of joy. Uh, it, it Number one, it didn't even make sense how much cheaper the PS2 was than DVD players at the time. Oh, right. Yeah, like, to play it, it seems like a, like a mistake. Yeah. Like, the DVD players were like $500, and then the PS2 was like, whatever, like $250, yeah, I don't know 300 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it wasn't that much. Yeah, I remember getting that. I remember playing Grand Theft Auto 3. That was the game we had, like, gotten it for, even though I was, like, whatever, nine years old at the time. Same, yeah. And I was... 
12 or something like that i think yeah and that was only like a short period after my brother had first brought a dvd player to our house and showed us the matrix on dvd and that was like the biggest deal ever dude that's funny how much older is your brother than you six years oh yeah so you have a similar i have and my older brother's 10 years older than me and similarly it's funny that our older brothers would bring electronics to the house uh yes i guess that makes sense that that would be the case um Maybe not so much anymore, but I think for that generation, that's definitely, like, something. Oh, totally. Like, my cousins would always bring, like, I remember, that's how I saw Sega Genesis. Like, my cousin brought it over, and then a friend later brought over a Sega Saturn, and we were like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so me speaking about Stone Cold at age of, age 12 was the surprise. That tender age of 12. Uh, I love it. I love it. I think that'll go on the Patreon as well. Oh, yes. The, uh, <laughs> the actual video, for sure. I mean, it's, it would take a while to find on my brother's YouTube channel. I, I suppose I could post the link on my Instagram as well. Uh, oh, a quick update before we... Uh, we watched GCW Homecoming Parts 1 and 2 this weekend, and it they fucking ruled. But before we talk about uh, GCW, every order on the web shop has shipped. So for people that... And there's been like... if you ha- If you're not following a lot of people that make merch... Maybe your feed isn't uh, filled up by these sorts of updates, but a lot of the people I follow on Instagram make merch. A lot of the updates are how insane the post office is right now. I've gotten some DMs about like, hey, I didn't get my poster, but I got all of these things. Give everything some time. I don't mind. I'm happy to field questions or uh, answer any questions you might have about your orders. But I think just with coronavirus and with how uh, limited staff at the post office, it's causing crazy delays. Because I know some stuff that I sent... Like the very first packages that I sent, uh, which was not quite a few weeks ago, are just getting to some people now. And then some stuff that I sent on Monday is already to people. So it doesn't seem like there's any, uh, I don't think that they're following any sort of rhyme or reason for, you know, shipping and sending things out. I just want to encourage anyone who has bought these things and hasn't received them to not stand for this (laughs) and to make sure that as soon as you get those posters, you rip them up into... Four equal parts. This is the second week in a row that you've encouraged <laughs> encourage people to... Uh... No, 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 no. Last time I said burn the books, and this time I said rip up the posters. It's a separate it's issue. It's a weird campaign that you are you have against the illustrated content that we're putting out. Listen, I need to be a heel. I guess that's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to provide a, a slight WWE update, because I was reading about some stuff today. Number one... There is going to be a pay-per-view one week after SummerSlam. Really? Yes. Is this one what, week after? Uh, what's the pay-per-view? Do you know? Payback. That sounds like it's going to be like backlash. Um, I don't know if I can watch. 100%. Like, do you? We're, there's another GCW show this weekend that I definitely want to watch. Um, we are getting stuffed with wrestling in the next couple of weeks. I was looking it up, and there's just so much stuff going on. But I mean, I'm happy about that. But I, I was going to say I don't know about. I mean, I'm down to watch both WWE pay per views, but like once a oh, month what, is I'm, plenty for me on WWE. There's so. going to be yeah, there's going to be some skippable ones, especially the Saudi Arabia ones. Oh, I think we're we not just straight I'm not, up not yeah. cover those. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched it since that the first the first one. Maybe I'll watch it, but I refuse to cover. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I kind of it's um, yeah. Uh, but that's but interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, I can, I mean, I'm down to watch back-to-back-to-back GCW, but uh, yeah, I don't know. One one more update. AW, Eddie Kingston is all elite. Oh, yes. Yeah, Thomas just sent us that. That's so exciting. I sent it. Oh, I you did? It. I thought Thomas sent it. Wrong. Wrong again, John. <sighs> Why do I even do this podcast? 
Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I'm so excited. I'm so happy he they've sort of listened to the fans telling them to to sign him because he it even says on the thing sign Eddie Kingston is now Eddie Kingston is signed like mm. with the hashtags. So it's like very much like we've we've heard you. Um, that's awesome. Very very cool. Yeah. I also saw on Squared Circle there was like something that like AW had has signed five wrestlers and featured like 125 wrestlers during the pandemic and i think that's absolutely fantastic i wanted to bring that up yeah that i saw that too uh i should screenshot it to uh, talk about and yeah that's such a cool thing like in light of the pandemic and no one really having any work they really have given a lot of people work which is really cool yeah really cool to see and uh they signed matt cardona yeah i guess i'm skipping ahead he let's talk great. about gcw Dude, I have been so excited to talk to you about GCW since we watched it. Uh, yeah, just the whole two-night experience was great. And I, there's so many different things that I loved about the show, both night one and night two, that uh, it's really mind-blowing to see, to think. Because you, you, a couple weeks ago, made the comparison that they're like a kind of modern-day ECW. And I think that that's very true, especially in terms of the variety of wrestling that they provide. Uh, they. I don't even think they're trying to hide it. When you call yourself GCW, it's, I guess it's pretty like much you're sounding like ECW. Totally similar, yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know. There, I felt like there was this time throughout both nights a lot of really great wrestling matches. Uh, like night two starts out with Tony Deppin versus Lee Moriarty, and oh yeah, the level of talent they have on the roster and that match. The I Lee Moriarty, I have liked. Uh, I I I really liked. Just his like combination of high flying moves with grappling, like he felt mm-hmm. like a sy- synthesized version of Will Osprey and uh, Zack Saber Jr. Especially with Ooh. the way that he was grappling Tony Deppin in different ways, like he's kind of got similarly long uh, limbs in the way that ZSJ does, and yeah, just the whole match was really good. That was a great one. Um, as far as like those kind of high-flying uh, matches. The one from night one that stands out as well is um, Alex Zane versus Blake Christian. That was one of the matches prior to the card that I was most excited to see. Just because since we started watching GCW simultaneously, both people I feel like have been stand out for uh, a lot of different reasons. And that this match... Dude, the match starts out with that huge 450, 450 tope to a Frankensteiner outside. Like the... Uh, he like catches him. It almost yeah. looks, it looks like visual effects almost. Like I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, that's how it feels when someone does something that's so graceful with so much potential for error. Like he front flips out of the ring. Oh no, four fifties. Four fifties out of the ring. Yeah, lands on uh, his shoulders and then does a hurricane run or Frankenstein or whatever you want to call it. Like that. That was incredibly graceful. Um, I also feel like those. The commentators throughout this whole weekend, especially Kevin Gill, were absolutely killing it. Like during this match, like their helicopters kept flying by and he kept saying scouts from New York trying to get eyes on Alex Zane. And then he ended that by saying, we see you, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I never felt more like I could be a wrestling commentator than when I listened to these shows. It's just two guys who are just joking around and like laughing it's really i really i really love the both of their the what they both add yeah oh absolutely no i just like i said before i just feel like everything we watch has such a different tone Mm -hmm. and 
I, you remember on the first night of homecoming, I was like, I don't know if I can do this this weekend, like do two nights. Like I'm pretty burned out from work. And then you were like, well, you should watch this one at least. And pretty much as soon as I threw it on, oh, I was like hooked. I forgot that that was this show that that happened. That you were yeah. like, I don't know. It was night one. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it with you guys. I might watch it afterwards. And then you put it on. And yeah, yeah as, put... as the night unraveled, you were like, oh, I'm so glad that I was just watching it's this. It's just so much fun. Like, I feel like out of maybe out of everything that we're watching right now, the thing I will think back upon with the most fond memories is watching these shows with you and Thomas because they're just so different. Uh, every one of them has been has been outside, which has a really cool atmosphere. This one was right next to a body of water, like a lake or something. Yeah, just having uh, that. It was the, yeah, the ocean because on the Jersey Shore. So like the... Uh... It's the ocean, Mark. Um, yeah. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Probably like a lake next to New Jersey. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I didn't know it was in New Jersey. Okay. I got there oh, a little late. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. It's the Jersey sh- on the Jersey Shore. The beautiful ocean. Oh, uh, sorry, John. I don't know your fucking Jersey Shore with your <laughs> snookies and your this and that. Uh, I was, t- yeah. I, I'm, since I'm self quarantining, did not go. It was tempting to go since it's a drivable distance from here, but. Uh, that did not even occur to me that you would have been able to go to that show. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I obviously wanted to and would have if COVID was not raging on. I mean, I know they're being, ser- they're being as safe as they can be while putting on a live wrestling show. Uh, the following match after Alex Zane versus Blake Christian was AJ Gray versus Alex Cologne. And, or Alex Cullen, Cologne. Uh, I think you had it. Yeah, Alex Cologne. Um, I love Alex Cologne would be a weird. <laughs> yeah, Cologne. Weird. True. Name. Yeah, he ripped it up this weekend, and I love that uh, AJ Gray. His like name or you know tagline is the motherfucking truth. That is such a cool <laughs> yeah. uh, thing to be able to yell. And this match was a super violent death match. I don't know if you remember. Remember? I yes. I in fact, I'm just bringing it up right now just to have a look at it. Yeah, this was... I, I like the amount of deathmatch stuff that they're working into these shows. Mm-hmm. Like, it's exactly the right amount for me. Because I want to see it, but I don't want to be overwhelmed by it. So there was a couple, like, really violent matches, like, spread across two nights. But it wasn't... Certainly wasn't the majority of the uh, night. And it felt like it was... Like you said before, why it's good is when it's psychologically motivated. It's not just, like, one thing after another. It's a story that builds. Um yeah, and, and the the match, or the, well, this match. There was two matches. This match, and then the the match on the second night. Uh, I'm not going to jump ahead to the second night yet, but uh, Zachary Wentz versus Alex uh, Cologne again. I feel like both were advertisements for Tournament of Survival, which is happening this month, which is a wild death match event that GCW puts on. And yeah, like this match, you know, he had a gusset plate. He was pounding it into the head, into his head. Isn't that like? what thomas said once again which is just like doesn't look that good and hurts a lot oh right yes yeah like, like light be, light tubes should be the opposite light tubes look cooler than gusset plates for sure in terms Absolutely. of the, the scope of like the dust and the sound and everything i think uh, <laughs> i can't remember which comedian it was but saying that they i think it's john mulaney he says he knows that he's older because now he just tries to like power through burps which is what um, I was trying like, to do, yeah. Yeah, like when he was a kid, he'd be like, "Quiet!" <laughs> and now he's just like, mm, "Are you? So are you going to the Hamptons this weekend?" And you just did that. Yes, that's what happens and... when you pound down coffee seltzer and flat water while you're doing a podcast, uh, dude. I, I you don't have to talk to me. I know you got the beverage trio going over there too. Um, I got the Montpellier train. That's never gonna 
run out of fuel. I'm out of liquid death right now, though, so I'm crushing bubblies. Uh, bubblies are gross. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm having a raspberry one. It's pretty good. But yeah, they're, they're in the middle of this match. Both Alex Cologne matches had insane Spanish flies through huge, like, deathmatch devices. There's a Spanish fly through barbed wire and a pane of glass during this match that was absolutely insane. They're both, and it's... it's they had to, like, remove the barbed wire from his back, I recall, after that. Like, it was, yeah. like, sticking into it. We did not mention, I mean, for those people listening, I feel like a lot of people that are listening to our podcast are familiar with GCW. If you're not, both Alex Cologne and AJ Gray are pretty big dudes. Like, they're, you know, not necessarily, wouldn't call them hosses, but, like, I mean, AJ Gray, I would. But Alex Cologne, it's, like, a pretty big dude, so it's not like it's like Will Ospreay and ZSJ doing a Spanish fly. It's like over 500 pounds of... It's like Keith Lee and Vader doing a Spanish fly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. It is absolutely like that. That's a good comparison. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I just... It's absolutely insane. And like you were saying, they build these crazy deathmatch spots. They build up to them and like psychologically use like the violence within their matches in a way that's really really cool and i feel like very watchable from a deathmatch perspective it doesn't ever i agree ever feel as someone i don't have like a weak stomach but you know i think we've watched stuff where i, I just felt like it was just escalation and it there was not enough storytelling but i'm i'm into this stuff like there's like i said there's just amount of the extreme stuff like you said there's uh, there was a lot of just great straight wrestling on this night um i feel like if you can stomach it this is one of the best promotions operating. It's absolutely worth the, and their pay-per-views are so inexpensive also. It's like 10 to $15. Yeah, and it was $20 for two nights, for the whole weekend. which yeah. was fantastic. I, I, I still chafe at paying $40 for a, an AEW pay-per-view. It's tough. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a big ass in this economy. <laughs> uh, dude, also Effie versus Nate. Webb. like this whole, the whole night, Effie versus Nate Webb was really sick as well. Uh, just another, and that, this was, that's like a match. There was no bad matches on this card. I didn't watch Trey Lamar versus ACH. You gave it a C, but that's the only one I could, I could say that was weaker. Everything else I gave a B plus to a minus. Like this was a really strong night. I also, I was thinking as we're talking about this, cause we're kind of going this through this night one night two. I was thinking like, wow, what a great night. And then, you know, Nick Gage versus Schlock headlined, but Nick Gage versus Schlock did not headline. No. And I remember when it happened, I felt like this is the emotional climax of this pay-per-view. It was weird going to Effie, Nate Webb after that. Although once Janela and Yoshihiko happened, I I, I understood that that yeah, cause felt it like went AJ Gray an, an and Cologne, Effie versus Nate Webb, Schlack versus Nick Gage, then... Janela versus Yoshihiku and Homicide versus Ricky Shane Page it was a crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have one not I one of those I not written down. Cannot believe how many matches were packed into this night. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was wild. And Sl- Schlack versus Gage, like so good. Yeah. Just... Schlack fight fighting out of shit's creek. <laughs> <laughs> and the, yeah, it's just another one where it's like the two just want to fuck each other up and. Kind of just go back and forth, back and forth. And I I just posted today, the day we're recording this, a drawing I did of Nick Gage. And I did like a deep dive of on YouTube of different Nick Gage matches. And it's cool seeing the different... Like this match happened like about a year ago. Nick Gage was a schlack in Texas. And it's cool seeing the different matches that Gage has been a part of. Uh, talk a little bit more about that later. But um, 
Yeah, this match was great. And the, the match of this night, for sure, by by a very, very, very far margin, was the bad boy Joey Ajella versus the sixth dimensional power doll, Yoshihiku. Yoshihiko. <laughs> sixth dimensional? Yeah, sixth was... dimensional power doll. I forget all of its taglines, but yes. Bat- wow. No, sixth dimensional battle doll, Yoshihiko. There you go. Uh, the heavy metal weight champion. Yeah, DDT Iron Metal Iron Man heavy metal weight champion was on the line or championship was on the line. Bad Boy Joey Janela versus Yoshihiko. And for people listening that don't know what or who Yoshihiko is, Yoshihiko is a doll that is controlled by a person in an all black suit, <laughs> like a an alien. Like a, Be honest with the people; they are an alien, and they w- walk the doll out to the ring. And this match was really good. Uh, I this match was so good. I laughed. I cried. It was better than cats. So at the start of it, Janela goes up to the top to hit a flying elbow or a moonsault. I can't remember which. Oh, he goes for a moonsault, and the person in all black pulls Yoshihiko out of the ring. But because of the way this is filmed, it looks like Yoshihiko sli- slides out. out of the ring, and from like. I was already in at the start of this match. Like, I, I, <laughs> this is nuts. This is weird, like, performance art wrestling. And, yeah, that moment, it's like, okay, this match is on. It seems like Yoshihiko is alive because of the way that this is playing out. And then the two kind of go back and forth. And, you know, Janela has wrestled the Invisible Man. He's done a lot of, like, great matches with basically nothing. And... This is a great example of that. I didn't really understand. Like, I'd heard of these matches before, these, like, doll matches that, like, Jim Cornette likes so much. Um, they're his absolute favorite. He can't get enough of them. And I wasn't quite sure how it would operate. I loved that the person in black only got involved, like, two or three times during the match. Um, one of them, like you said, was to... Was to uh, pull them out one of them was just to throw them at joey as, like, <laughs> yeah. as uh, that was like the very start that was, was like, a, yeah a huge, huge crossbody cross on Janela. yeah from Yoshi- yeah from yoshiko and then right at the end where the person uh brought yoshiko up to the top of a ladder to then splash the down way that joey. looked was absolutely incredible like crawling dude i could not stop laughing like i don't know i don't know how you felt but i just like i thought this was the funniest match like while also being good, but Joey just being able to take those like those back bumps and make it genuinely look like this doll is German suplexing him. Yeah, well, and um, there's like a moment where Janela uh, does a huge throw, like kind of Bam Bam Bigelow throwing Spike Dudley to the outside in ECW <laughs> on the doll, and for a, for a while, and then the doll is like slumped over, just like cut to a camera outside the ring, just going in. <laughs> And the commentators are selling it like it's a real person. Like someone called There's a medical like, oh staff. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, it's like Kevin Kelly when Ish, uh, the evil turns on <laughs> Naito. Like it was, dude. Yeah. And then oh a, a, quite, quite a few minutes passed, and then the commentary says Yoshihiko hasn't moved. We need to get a medical staff on him or something like that. <laughs> like, like he needs to like be attended to. And then, surprise, at the end Janela wins and is now the DDT Iron Man Heavy Metalweight Championship and. That's a really cool way to give him the belt and signal maybe more of a working relationship beyond just sort of the partnership that already exists between DDT and AEW. GCW. No, a- AEW too, because yeah, oh, they have the, oh, the, right. the uh, they have like Nakazawa and Omega did some stuff with them. Um, 
Right, our favorite Nakazawa. But yeah, Janela wins, and then Leo Rush comes in with a surprise attack. That who and Leo Rush was the man, the alien, and all wearing the uh, all black outfit. What? Yeah. Did I miss that? Unless I'm wrong, but I yeah he was that was yeah I'm almost positive. I don't think that's true. Really? I think so. I just want to go on the record saying I do not think that that's true. All right, well, while we keep talking about this, I'm going to bring Fight up and put that on the background. We'll let you know when I get to it. Um, well, Le- Leo Rush surprise attack setting up the main event of Night... Or maybe not the main event of Night but 2. A big, but a very the- big match for Night 2, yeah. Leo Rush versus Joey Janela. I was super, super psyched to see Leo Rush. Um, you know, he's obviously been dealing with his own stuff for the last little bit. Um, but it's just great to see him, like, in the ring. Leo Rush looked awesome. Killed it. The like blue teal hair. He looked really cool, yeah. and I'm really excited to see more of him in GCW. I guess maybe totally. maybe he'll be like a different uh, since that 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 match on night two is kind of billed as like the final match. Maybe it'll be. It was vaguely worded. I will say it was just like the final match. I know there was some talk of him retiring. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's going to happen. Let me just say that. Homicide no. versus Ricky Shane Page main event. I uh, did not much like this match. Yeah, Ricky Shane Page has a lot of heat in GCW. So I think that that worked in, in terms of like who is fighting Homicide. It was fine, but it definitely was not one of my favorite matches of night one uh, either. I, th- yeah, I, think... I said before there was no bad matches, but this was the... The one that was the most disappointing to me, just as the main event, and after seeing so much great stuff, like after seeing Joey and Yoshihiko, like where can you go from there? Also, I would have said the same about Nick Cage and Slack, honestly. Oh, like yeah, it's well, that's why I was like surprised as like we were talking about this, thinking about all the different matches that have happened. Uh, that there is like that Yoshihiko versus Janela was tonight, and Schlock versus Gage was this night, and also well, the just end so of you know, Schlock versus Gage was so emotional. Yes, yeah, true. Um, what were you saying just so you know just so you know on my screen right now is Leo Rush throwing down a Spanish fly in that weird all black outfit ripping the face off and then revealing himself to do a frog splash in as Yoshihiko uh, the alien thing I can't believe that um, has that alien thing been there before or is that the first time the alien this is so around? this is the first that's the first time I've seen Yoshihiko uh in a match so i don't know i'm guessing that each time yoshihiko fights that character is always there and they just use that as a device to get to do leo as a surprise because i just can't believe it because it was so funny like the close-ups of like when joey was like that give it up for that guy he's in a he can fucking wrestle and it just has a close-up of yoshihiko and just like the alien holding him like it was but i guess reminded me of uh will arnett from arrested development (laughs) like franklin Oh my god, yeah. Uh the, well but I mean I guess uh like Leo Rush and Janela have really good chemistry just from their CZW days that I feel like uh it makes sense that and Leo Leo Rush, I don't know, he's like a great performer. It makes sense that he would do that. I mean Yoshihiko like the the handler didn't do much. No, Slow, but did enough. Slowly climbed up a ring for then Yoshihiko to land on Joey and then Joey there'd be like a half a second pause for Joey to break the table. Yeah, under them true that was so funny i i will say uh, like I, now that we're like kind of dead smack in the middle of gcw gcw is the one promotion that people outside of wrestling that we're friends with have been drawn to like 
it's true. I got a message today from my friend who I keep trying to get into AW, and he just sent me a message this morning. He's like, I'm not into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, it's all good. You don't have to be sorry. But he was the one who sent me a GCW. Yeah, that was, we mentioned on the last podcast, Tony Depp and Alex Zane. Uh, yeah. yeah um, your friend, uh, I guess our oh, friend, yeah, was into, our friend was Hannah, into Effie. posted, yeah, posted about Effie. My little brother, in the middle of the night, after I texted him photos of the Yoshihiko match, asked me where to find that match. And then lastly, at the end of Yoshihiko's match, Siobhan was like, I think I, my new favorite wrestler is Yoshihiko. It's I, I think AEW is the perfect gateway to wrestling fans who want to watch wrestling, but GCW <laughs> is the most palatable for people who don't watch wrestling, but they want to see like crazy weird shit. That's a really good um, point. Yes. But I, I, I love like, being able to live in a world with NJPW, GCW, AEW. It's, it's the perfect it's ladder of wrestling. The convergence really of is. so many different great things. And speaking of great wrestling, we kind of started this talking about Deppin versus Moriarty, but also from the night two uh, was Chris Dickinson versus Calvin Tankman. Calvin Tankman's big, big ass hoss dude. Chris Dickinson, very jacked dude as well. That match was one of my favorite matches from that night. Very much like a. Makabe versus Ishii sort of match. Hard hitting. Starts out with a huge belly-to-belly suplex from Tankman and just kind of goes off the rails from there. I can't believe that Dickinson was able to hit a Death Valley driver on Calvin Tankman. Calvin Tankman, that was, I don't know wild. what his build weight is, but he's a very, very big dude. It's like doing a Death Valley driver on Vader. Don't take my Vader reference. I just did. And speaking of <laughs> speaking of Tank- stealing references, uh <laughs> On he's billed at three fifty five. Oh, he is nice. Yeah, yeah. he's huge. Six two three fifty five. So that makes sense. He's that built like a goddamn fridge. Yeah, he's just he's massive. One of my favorite running references on Squared Circle. I don't know if this has been. Uh, I don't know the origination of this, but people will randomly say they wish that instead of two hundred five live, it was three hundred five live. Truly. And this match makes me wish there was like some kind of also like Super J Cup J Crown tournament of all of the biggest Haas. Oh my god. Boys from all of the different promotions like Ishii, Makabe, Keith Lee, Chris Dickinson, Calvin Tankman. Bring them all together. Oh my god. Uh, Smojo. Oh my god, yes. Bring them all together. Crumble everything to the ground. That would be insane. Um, Samoan Joseph would kill that. Also on this night, the one other like really big match from night two was Leo Rush versus Joey Janela, and yeah, what a absolutely insane match! I yeah, I really loved it. It's so cool to see Leo Rush back. I hope that it's not his last match. I imagine it's just his final match as Leo Rush, maybe, and maybe he comes back as a different character. I was almost one hundred percent positive that was what he was doing. Like he's like he's so young. He's like twenty three or something. Is he? I don't want to. I don't fuck. I'm doing this thing again where I said that. Um, no, he's 25. Yeah, you're close. Okay, yeah. I said Rhea Ripley was like 19, and you were like, that literally doesn't make sense. She would have been in NXT when she was like five. Like, <laughs> think about it. Um, yeah, I love this match. I don't remember any specific spots. You have a lot of notes. Well, it's just the the one. I, I mean, there's the one massive spot that happened towards the end where Janela goes up to the top of the building. Oh yes. And then jumps off the that building was, onto the... That was super cool. Nick Gage rolled his ankle uh, at Beyond Wrestling and wasn't able to be in the main event of this. I think that that would have mm. changed this night a little bit. I'm kind of bummed. I feel like I was excited to see Alley Cat versus Nate Webb. And Alley Cat was just... She, she was in the scramble on night one. Uh, I wish that 
there was more time given uh but um to to that match because for for but it was cool to see 440h just come in and just like completely because i remember thinking like after uh that joey janela joey janela leo rush match like oh there's gonna be two more matches like alley cat and nate webb so i like i wanted to see it but at the same time i was kind of like let's get to the main event already so that match starts and then 44 just comes in and just like destroys everyone and just starts the main event uh which is a very cool way to like not have that match i thought i yeah it, it was definitely a perfect transition it, it it was a really good transition into the main event uh which was 440h versus team mdk uh which just started out as i believe only schlack and uh then kind of goes off the rails from there other people come in and help him and eventually gauge limps out for the three count he's actually injured he posted on instagram that he he rolled his ankle um so maybe you I don't, I'm not sure if he's scheduled to be uh, wrestling uh, at Keep in Touch this Sunday. Will be or well Sunday August second. Uh, I'm excited though to watch that. Kylie Ray is going to be on on it for the first time. Calvin Takeman's coming back. It's cool. They they've been using since we've all you, me, and Thomas have been watching these GCW shows together. I feel like they've used very similar roster, and it's been cool getting to know each person, kind of developing favorites, knowing. Um, who who's gonna put on like a maybe like an osprey type match or who's gonna put yeah. on like a death match and so who are your favorites in gcw right now i would say yeah. off the top of my head alex zane i guess let's do favorites since we started watching because i've been watching gcw for maybe like a, a year and a half i've been watching it for a little while uh like regularly but with you guys yeah. uh i feel like now that and i would tune in maybe like once every like three months or so but now since we've been watching every show like uh, Calvin Tankman definitely has become a favorite. Blake Christian has become a favorite. Benjamin Carter, uh, who was on night two, I believe, this past weekend. Uh, he was a really cool person I had never heard of before. I feel like each time that we watch this, there's new people introduced that I really like a lot. My- Myron Reed, Lee Moriarty, both of them completely crushed this past weekend. Like those, those, those are kind of like new people that I did not know about pre uh kind of becoming a regular viewer of gcw and yeah i didn't know about any of these people i would say for me yeah obviously the people you mentioned uh deppin and uh schlack i love schlack love schlack's look that was a crisp that made that bubbly sound very delicious very tasty yeah i and i agree and then like overall yeah tony tony deppin and nick gage are like they're two of my favorite wrestlers like in general out of every promotion but oh yeah nick gage is awesome yeah yeah, absolutely crushes in every match. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, Nick Gage crushing in matches, like he, he, I found a match that's on YouTube where he faces off MJF with MJF. Uh, and the stipulation in the match is Nick Gage is not allowed to use any weapons. So <laughs> it's a really cool match because all of the, a lot of the matches we've watched together and everyone, all the matches everyone knows of Gage, he, he uses weapons. But in this match, no weapons are used, but he brings the same frantic energy that he brings to the matches with weapons, and it's so good. It's a really cool match. Uh, they keep mentioning that it's someone's send-off, like it's someone's last match, so I'm wondering if it was MJF's last match and beyond before he went to AEW. I'm, I'm not sure. Interesting. Um, I would love to watch that. You should send me the link. Yeah, I will. I, made, I started making a uh, Nick Cage playlist on YouTube uh, for... Whoever, but this is just Nick Gage songs that he's recorded. <laughs> yeah, 
Light Tubes and Barbed Wire is the first track. Dude, speaking of AEW, this week... So I watched Dark this week, and I can't imagine how you'd feel if you watched Dark, because it was two hours this week. And it's too long. It's too long. One hour, it's a 45 One hour show. and 50 minutes, to be precise. But really, two, two things happened on that night that I'd like to mention. Cutler and Librarian have a team name now, and it is The Initiative. And they crushed it in a match with FTR. Like, it was a great match. Sunny Kiss enjoyed it. FTR was on Dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a bunch oh. of... There's a lot of really good matches. So the two hours... Oh, I'll watch that. Two hours were warranted in terms of the amount of time that was taken. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of squash matches on there, which is why I don't watch them that often. Was not the... I mean, they they uh, were... I guess were squash, squash matches kind of in who won... I don't know. This, the initiative versus FTR felt more competitive. And then uh, Janela and Sunny Kiss had a, just had a tag match too, too against Nakazawa and Pineapple Pete. I love the way that Janela and Sunny Kiss worked against Nakazawa. It was actually really good. Like this match yeah. was great. But in the middle of this match, <laughs> Taz forgot what Nakazawa's first name was. <laughs> Did and, you call him Shinsuke? No, 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 no. Uh, and uh, Excalibur kept referring to him as Mike. And Taz just starts yelling, who is Mike? Like, there's a bunch of in-ring action happening, and he keeps yelling, who is Mike? Like, he, like Excalibur's trying to t- call, like, oh, hip toss, huge strike from Joey Janela, sunny kiss in the corner. And then uh, t- through that, Taz is yelling, who is Mike? And it is... Who is Mike? <laughs> yeah, to the point that Excalibur is trying to seriously call all of the action that's happening because it's quick and fast paced since it's Janela and Sunny Kiss and Pineapple Pete and Nakazawa. Excalibur cracks, starts laughing, and then says Michael Nakazawa, and then Taz starts laughing really hard. It's a really, <laughs> really <laughs> funny moment. His name. Yeah, uh-huh. this is what happens when you have all these Michael Nakazawa's clogging up the roster. Taz can't remember everyone's GD name. But yeah, it, I will say out of all of the episodes of Dark this episode felt the most like, oh, this is almost feels like what SmackDown is to Raw or what it's supposed to be, you know? Like, oh, we have two shows, two wrestling shows, lots of wrestling going on ideal in an ideal world for WWE. In this world, it wasn't just all like singular squash matches. There, there, like I said, oh, just send me the good ones and I'll watch them. Your boy okay. Sean Spears had a huge promo on it also. Really? Yes. About the glove. Oh, the power glove? It's so hard to figure out if they're just if they just keep trolling us on all this four horsemen stuff because there's like five different configurations that I could figure out at this point and I can't figure out if Sean Spears is going to be entered or not. Yeah, I'm not sure either. It's there's like quite MJF a few names in the is mix the right Perfect flair. Like M- like in my opinion, Cody should not be in the four horsemen. He should be fighting against them the same way that his dad fought against them. But MJ, because cause him and MJF would never get along, and MJF is Flair, and MJF should be the leader of the horse, Four Horsemen. So and what about they, Hangman, then? A, Hangman's against them, too? No, Hangman's there. Hangman, MJF, and FTR. That's like your that. that's your ideal Four Horsemen. He, uh, MJF is the mouthpiece. He was, talk, he was saying the same thing that FTR says. He's like, I'm a classic wrestler, I'm a good wrestler, we need to like, bring wrestling back and stuff. He has that same sort of energy like he, he was talking about flippy stuff i think wasn't he during the state of the union yes that was one of the best promos i've ever seen 
MJF State of the Union. That was a really good promo. I like that he brought up, I didn't really realize this, but I like that he brought up that he's never been featured two weeks in a row. Like, I thought that was an interesting point of view, just because I, I, in my mind, he hasn't been used. They kind of had, almost have had him on reserve in the way they've had uh, Kenny Omega on reserve as well, where it's like, well, you guys have the best mount machine there, so whenever you unleash Kenny, he's going to be one of the top single stars in the company. And they have it's crazy that their roster is so big now that they have that coming in a future like season, basically, of the show. Totally. Uh maybe sooner it, than I, later, but yeah, I don't know. Honestly, the best heel promos are based off of truth. In, yes. In my opinion. I agree. So like MJF coming out and saying, like, I'm not featured enough. This is supposed to be the future of wrestling, and like, who are your champions? You have like Moxley, who's just doing Stone Cold cosplay off of WWE, and you have Cody, who yeah, it just pretends to be whatever. I, yeah, it was an, an incendiary promo, I thought, and it made him a very exciting candidate to fight uh, John Moxley at All In. Yeah, I could see him taking the belt uh, at All In. Actually, I could too. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen, but. He announced his candidacy for the AEW championship. I loved championship. that also. Yeah. And he was talking about how like America deserves, or um, AEW deserves better. I said America. Uh, my, oh, one of his best lines. My talent outweighs your tenure to Moxley. So good. It's insane. Amazing. Yeah. I Amazing promo. Absolutely love that promo and could see him taking the belt off of Mox. One match that I was really, really excited about from Dynamite that I feel like was not as good as I hoped it'd be. Was but was fun. Was Warhorse versus Cody and versus Cody. Um, here's here's how I felt about this episode. I felt it was not very good. I thought it was okay, and I just knew that after like four stellar dynamites, that my friend was gonna text me after this one and be like, "I tried AW because like again, not a strong episode. Like the overall the the um the opener, best friends and friends versus the inner circle was kind of a flat squib." Cody versus Warhorse, not the same. I thought a very yeah. good match, but that just didn't have the time to like get into third gear. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like it, it it finished when it just should have been really picking up. Yes, yeah, totally. Like right towards the end of that match, where Cody locks in a figure four, I believe. I think that's what he wins with. Yes, that's yeah. what he won with. And at that spot where he locked in the figure four, I was like, oh, it's pick it up now. Let's yeah. let's go. And totally, I think if. Eddie Kingston hadn't been the debut last week against Cody that this, and this match was like two weeks from now or even before that match, like a week before that match, it would have, we would have been like, dude, that was awesome. And either way, it's still so cool that the TNT championship and the TNT belt is this there, at least at this point for the last two weeks, three weeks, maybe they've been using it as a way to give people new featured matches, new people featured matches on television, which I think is, yeah, Oh, it's beautiful. I love to see Warhorse. I loved his uh, Macho Man flying elbow. Yeah. It was amazing. I loved how he, like, stomped Cody's back Mm -hmm. from the apron. Uh, Just, like, jumped off and stomped on Cody's back. He just, like, he brought, like, a really cool energy. And I don't don't think it suffered in comparison to Eddie Kingston. Because I think it was just, like, a really good match that we were both like, okay, here we go. And then then when it was start. And yeah. Ended. yeah, and there was so, a commercial in the middle of the match too. When picture, picture, I think that I think yeah, that maybe did a little bit of disservice to it. Um, 
But yeah, I, I felt like it had the potential to be kind of a classic TV match that we'd go back and watch. But I think now it's kind of too short um, and not that impactful enough that we'd actually go back and watch that sometime. Yeah, I don't know. Absolutely, I don't think so either. Just overall, the the whole episode to me felt the most, like you said, like a transitional TV episode. It's this is like progressing stories forward, and there are good promos and some fun matches. Honestly, it was three promos that saved this episode for me. It was the MJF promo. It was Taz where he's talking to Moxley. He's like, you're going to get bounced around that ring, Mox. He's like, look at these deltoids. They're like cannonballs. <laughs> look at the traps as high as mountaintops. You po- you showed me that picture of Cage flexing. That picture is ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. Jutting out of like his, like the sides of his ribs are like exactly what he said, like two cannonballs. Like it doesn't even I don't understand sense. how a person looks like that. Yeah. No, he looks like, he looks like he should be like Stan Lee character. Um, and then Ricky Starks, who cut a really great promo right before the ending tag match, was which was a good tag match, um, and sort of saved the episode from being like a total filler episode, I thought, along with these promos. But uh, Ricky Starks, I loved him on the mic. He is kind of a smaller dude, especially compared to Cage. So um, I was waiting to kind of be introduced to him a little bit more. Like, why is why is Cage, why is Cage with him? Why does Taz see something in him? And I felt like that promo really really did it for me. And then he delivered big time in this match. Yeah, this is another one that felt kind of like, as in the way that Cody versus Warhorse, as it started to get good and ended, this one, it was only given 10 minutes, so it was like a banger for 10 minutes and then it was over, uh, which I think is okay. It felt like it's a okay. good, yeah, yeah, it felt good to me. Yeah. Uh, I love that it started out with Darby Allen jumping off of the stage onto Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, and then it just kind of gets wild from there. That spot with the skateboard and the thumbtacks was really cool yeah, and really skateboard, wild. skateboard, which had thumbtacks all over it. And he slams that into Ricky Starks' back. And when he was being pinned, his hands were, like, vibrating in pain. And it really... Either he's, like, the best seller in the world or that guy was in absolutely excruciating pain at that moment. I wonder... I was wondering the same thing because in... Uh, during the GCW, one of the death matches, Zachary Wentz versus Alex Cologne. Uh, Zachary Wentz, in that match, that's where there's, like, the barbed wire... Door, the doors, barbed wire, and glass all on top of each other. And then Zachary Wentz is like thrown off of the turnbuckle to the outside onto that. He falls off of that and starts shaking and vibrating in the same way. But then like yeah. three minutes later is back in the ring doing like Osprey handsprings and like, you know, kind of like super junior sort of like wild moves. So I think it's both. I mean, it is probably very painful, but also uh, a good way to sell something like that where it's like that looks like the worst pain that someone could experience. I forgot to mention, crucially, kind of circling back to that death match, Zachary Wentz versus Alex Cologne. During that match, the start of it, Alex Cologne's like breaking a bunch of light tubes over Zachary Wentz. And then he has like a small, a small light tube, like where he's carving. Uh, oh yeah. Siobhan looked up during forehead. that and didn't, and just casually was like, oh, are you watching another eye for an eye match? <laughs> I like how you said crucially. Yeah. I just think it's a funny, like, because, she, you know, yeah. she doesn't care about wrestling. And those of you that have listened to, like, our past episodes have heard me talk about that. But uh, we generally watch things in the same room. So she'll have opinions on things regardless of if she wants to have them or not. And, yeah, that it was, it was funny where it's like, oh, yeah, this is like, 
you were just watching that match where there was an eye for an eye match. Is this like a real eye for an eye match where like that guy's trying to use that light tube? It's funny, like having someone who just accepts that that's like a thing that we're watching, like, <laughs> that I'm watching for fun. Uh, You're just like, oh, are you watching another? Um, oh, what was the what was the Undertaker match called? Oh, the Boneyard match? Yeah, are you watching another Boneyard match? That's what probably she said when we were watching uh, Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. Oh, the Swamp match? Yeah, I don't even think... I think the true blood. I think her contacts for those is she knows they don't like them, but doesn't understand what they are. Um, but yeah, dude... Most, this, most people don't. This episode uh, of Dynamite, definitely not uh, the strongest, but still just a fun... Like I, I honestly think some of the... Fa- it's like a B, which if any Raw or SmackDowns were a B, it would be like miraculous. Yes. Absolutely, and it's just I think suffers from the fact that we've watched we in the last week we've watched so many so much wrestling and so so much have seen such a variety yep. of shows where you know. But I just do th- I do think that no match really caught on fire. No, I agree. I, during that episode, you know what I mean? Like when we think back to last week with the butcher, uh, young bucks, Blade, yeah, young bucks, but also um, like you said, the the Eddie Kingston match. And uh, it felt like there was more stuff that really caught on fire last week. Yeah, absolutely. The other match that I had really high hopes for, well, the only other match we haven't talked about that I had really high hopes for was Hikaru Shida versus Diamante. But that, I feel like, also did never reach any sort of, like, big peak moments where it's like, okay, now we're cooking. This match is, like, really sick. It, it was good and fine. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the, is it the Deadly Draw? Is that what it's called? Or am I confusing that with the name of the Survivor Series I talked about at the start of the show? No, I think it is, in fact. Oh, is it? Oh, wow. The de- Yes, it's called The Deadly Draw. The Survivor Series okay. 1998 is The Deadly Game. Uh, there you the go. Deadly Game Tournament is what they called it. Uh, I My feeling about it, you and Thomas are like cautiously optimistic about the tournament in that it will give people screen time. It will allow people to face off against maybe the more established wrestlers and get their five minutes in while not having to like carry an entire like 30 minute match. Um, To me, I feel like it devalues tag team wrestling by just slapping people together and going, Oh, you're a tag team now. And now you're in a tag team tournament like that. That to me, I don't understand why they would do that. I would much rather see like a elimination singles match um, mm. because you'd have to have half as many wrestlers to make that happen. And I feel like the women's roster is kind of emaciated right now with a lot of people uh, are injured. With the, with Chris Stat, Britt Baker. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It can't, it can't just be, um, Sheeta versus, um, Penelope Ford over and over again. Week. As much as I would love that. That'd be a, um, man, that'd be a really sick yeah. trilogy of matches to see the two of them just continually like, yeah, going at it. Uh, I'm in. Uh, but yeah, so I I feel like filling a tournament with sixteen female wrestlers would be would be tough in AEW right now. And so like putting like thirty two, I don't know how big this tournament is. Maybe it's only. I think 16, it is sixteen maybe. people. I thought. I okay, it's sixteen yeah. people. I'd rather see those people just in in singles matches, honestly, um, because I don't. I, but maybe this is a way. I, okay, honestly, I feel like this is just just to build the um, brandy. Uh, alley storyline and i think that's a pretty weak reason to like build an entire tournament anyway we'll see how it plays out like i'm not gonna shit on something before no I've seen it, but that's I, not i just, I just like... was we haven't really talked about it on 
on this podcast. Like we've, right. we've messaged each other about it, but it, like we did mention it last week. I was week. not going to bring it up because I was like, I don't want to be too negative. Here, well, I don't I think, think, I think that your idea. perspective is correct. I like that you said that, uh, that you feel like it devalues tag team wrestling. I just personally feel like it's a good way to feature a lot of different people in different ways and to get people maybe that they're not like that have been untested to come in, pair them up with someone like Nyla Rose. Big Swole, someone that uh, has uh, a lot of good sort of in-ring abilities and, uh, you know, go from there. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And if it's only 16 wrestlers, like, I'm sure they could fill that out. I I thought it it might be like 32 wrestlers. Yeah, I think it's 16. Um, So that would be quarterfinals, semifinals. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Dude, lastly, Sengoku Lord, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, They're the... Man... At some point, I think it might have been on last week's episode, we were talking about sort of their intro tag matches being similar to AEW Dark in that they don't feel they don't feel too much like they're progressing anything. And to me, this this the start of Sengoku Lord felt the most like that. I think it's maybe also a product of just them having a limited roster and us watching all of the New Japan Cup. But like yeah. a lot of these intro a lot of the intro matches felt like we had seen them before. Uh yeah, I skipped them. Um like we got Ma- start- Makabe Koji Kojima Taguchi versus Ishii Yano and Gabriel Kidd. Like I think that we have seen that combination a couple of times at this point from the intro matches. The one thing I will say, I absolutely love the first match, and I don't think it's like something that since you skipped it, you have to go back and see it. But it is worth mentioning. Uh, is Ishimori versus Yuya Mura, one of the young lions. One thing that I absolutely love and a device that I feel like New Japan uses a lot that I think is really interesting is when you have someone like Ishimori, who's maybe not necessarily one of the top guys, work down against a young lion where they're not using their entire moveset. So they kind of like, you know, but then look very strong in not using their whole moveset. Sort of similar to how throughout that whole New Okada. Japan. Yeah, New Japan Cup, Okada is not using the Rainmaker because he doesn't need to because he's so strong and facing people that aren't on his level. So he's not and like you said, he's out. working kind of an 80s WWE superstars kind of. Uh, it still feels since, like that. Ever right? since you said that, I've been watching it like that. And he's, yeah, he's very back to basics Okada right now. Uh, Cobra Clutch, Big Boot, Dropkick. Yeah, it's it seems like uh, Okada's been watching late 80s, early 90s WWF superstars. Just like the way, with the way he's working these matches against different yeah. people that are not really on his level all the feuds he's had especially this feud with yujiro like yeah i was about to say speaking of not on his level um this was a weird match this was a strange one i loved the skirt that okada was wearing on his way to the ring that was sick yeah his Um, ring gear is always very very sick yeah um kevin kelly talks about it on commentary he's like yeah yujiro is not really on okada's level and i was like yeah that does speak to why my investment in this match is so low um it didn't he? Yeah, he actually said that on commentary. He did. Yeah, yes. like which it was absolutely. I mean, he didn't have to. Anyone who knows Okada already knows that. But it, yeah, I don't know why he would say that, and I don't know why this match occurred. To be quite frank, to me, it, it felt like it was the match that I thought it was going to be. Like you starts out with Yujiro getting some heel tactics in on the outside. Okada then gets the upper hand just through pure offense. And, you know, he just slowly unravels moves throughout this match where it's like, we know that Okada's probably going to win. And if he doesn't win, it's going to be because of heel tactics. And yeah, he throws down like a drop kick and then a tombstone and is using his like kind of, yeah, 
limited moveset that he's developed on the New Japan Cup since he is facing people who are not on his level. Um, excuse me. But the match is what I thought it would be. It ends with him kind of knocking Gato off the apron and then ultimately uh, cinching in the camel clutch, which he has named the money clip. Uh, <laughs> yes, I love that. For the win. And it's interesting because it doesn't... I wonder if this... I mean, the Gato Okada thing is going to go on forever since, you know, he was his manager and now he's not. And their feud will exist regardless of, like, what kind of bigger stories are playing out right now. But what what do you think Okada does next? Like, what, like does he... I mean, he is at a place where he can be slotted anywhere. They're starting to... He's He's been protected. Like, he's been built so strong. He basically won the New Japan Cup. Right, like yes, he only didn't because of didn't, interference. Yeah, he didn't win because of interference. And I don't know. We were both pretty. I don't know. We both thought he was going to fight Naito and then uh, maybe lose, and then sort of still be in the in the top title contention. Um, he hasn't expressed any interest in going after the Intercontinental title um, or the but... either belt, as far as I know. Yeah. I just was trying to think of feuds. I like that earlier today you and I were talking about how he has never faced off against Shingo, which well, maybe I was just he talking has. about how I couldn't wait until Shingo was NWGP or IWGP Heavyweight Champion um, because he's just he's just so great and he would be just such a great champion. Absolutely. Well, and it's cool to think. I don't know. Yeah, to think of the match that they would have. I feel like it, maybe that we're both wrong, and I was, and I just didn't look hard enough online to try to see if Okada and Shingo have faced off against each other. But it seems like because uh, Shingo came in t- to New Japan as a Super Junior and was competing in the best of the Super Juniors, and then eventually towards the end of last year declared himself a heavyweight, and then has been going after different things and is now. So they were on different sides of the bracket in the G1. Is that right? I'm not positive about that, but they didn't. I don't think they faced off against each other. Yeah, no. Hmm. Um, they would have to have been yeah. there yeah. Uh, but yeah Shingo against Desperado was a really cool match this was awesome yeah this was really really good um, I feel like Shingo's body when he stands he like juts out he looks like an S instead of like a straight line and I was just saying an, I just literally S? think oh yeah like a dragon yeah. like an actual dragon yeah I think he is legit just a dragon trapped in human skin <laughs> like from the way that he stands like he's got such a weird like yeah it's like an S curve uh, yeah but uh, I love Desperado cranking Shingo's knee in the numero dos several times, trapping his leg as well as his hand so he couldn't reach the ropes. But there was at one moment where he just kept like cranking his leg back and forth, and uh, yeah, it was it was such a such a cool submission. Uh, there was a double dragon screw leg whip from Shingo onto uh, that Desperado, move looks which... so painful. It looks so painful, and it also has double dragon buried in it. So I thought I, I wrote that down. Yeah, um, I, I Shingo here too. Speaking of people who feel like eighties, like in nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties WWF superstar, Shingo really feels that way. He feels like so much larger than life, like yeah. just like a huge character come to life. And you know, he Shingo wins with a pumping bomber in this match in the Last of the Dragon, and that the, the his move set is crazy. Like Made in Japan, pumping bomber, Last of the Dragon uh noshigami like he has so many moves what's the made in japan again is that like a t- michinoki driver yeah kind of yeah it's like yeah. a modified version of that and you know dude i was thinking about it and i think the never belt right now in my mind is like the belt i know that the double championship is like 
the top tier, like it's a huge historical thing that that exists and that's happening. But I was thinking about the title defenses that Shingo has had. Even just thinking about that belt, if we're thinking about like all the belts in New Japan for the last like couple of years and the different title defenses that have occurred, since Shingo has been champion this year during this COVID era, Shingo beat Goto at the new beginning in an incredible match. Shingo yeah. defends against Ishii on New, New Japan Road in an re- incredible rematch from their G1 match. So good. Then he faces off against Sho at the New Japan Cup Finals. Again, another incredible match and a rematch. One of the matches of the night. And then after that, he faces off in this match against Desperado. Another match, which this was the match of this night. Like he, that's how, I don't even know how many matches that was, but th- those are all just this year during a time where wrestling is, you know, has been on the back burner because of COVID and he's just completely crushing this title reign. I think that that's absolutely, you know, it's a critique that a lot of people I think have of the, uh, of different IWGP champion, heavyweight champions, like maybe apart from Okada is that their reigns are not, uh, as dominant and the defenses aren't, uh, nearly as good as you'd hope they'd be like Kenny Omega as, as good as the chase. Yes, yeah. exactly. Kenny Omega's chase was more exciting than when he actually had it. Well, that wasn't actually, um, huge Japan's fault though. That was when Kenny was, was leaving. leaving for AEW. I'm, but I'm just saying like the, but you're, yeah. you're right. I think evil, like we'll talk about a little bit about the evil Takashi match, but I'm not seeing evil's reign as like that good so far. Um, I guess I mean absolutely it is not good like it is characteristically not good he cheated to win the G1 or the uh, New Japan Cup he cheated to win the title and he cheated in this defense like his reign sucks TBA (laughs) don't you but don't you do you think it's okay that like like a heel has this kind of reign in storyline yes but there has to be a moment where the heel overpowers somebody and wins through like true means or else they're just like, they're just a faction at that point. He's just bullet club at this point. You know what I mean? Like we have to think that he could beat Okada. Well, I mean, I guess their match was competitive, but he just so definitively should, was not going to win this match. Like he has a, a, he got Takahashi got a visible three count on evil here in like his first events gets a visible pinfall from Takahashi on him. This was a good match. Like, this was way better than the, the Naito match. I enjoyed this match quite a bit, but the last five minutes, the booking and all of that of, like... Because Evil kicks out of a couple things. He, he kicks out of the everything is Hiromu by Hiromu. He kicks out of the time bomb. Uh, but at that point, he yeah, there is a visible pinfall on him. Um, Dick Togo takes out the ref. And then, yeah, Taka just gets garroted by Togo and then it just it just killed the vibe that's what I put I was like this booking kills the vibe man like you know it's funny we had opposite viewing experiences because I kind of felt like like this match uh for everyone that's very familiar familiar with New Japan World this match to me seems like one that would be in like their classic match archive not necessarily because of how good the match is just the sort of historical context of it with like the super junior champion facing off against this newly crowned double champion with Dick Togo and his crazy mob boss outfit uh, ringside. It felt very much like watching a historical match. Don't think that it was necessarily like a match. Like if you removed those sort of elements that 
was particularly noteworthy, apart from the fact that Hiromu looked a lot like a champion in this match. Like, yeah, he, he, Hiromu looked so dominant. And, you know, kind of we've been a lot of our discussion around New Japan has kind of centered around Okada being this unbeatable force and just the uh, sort of contrast between juniors and heavyweights. And last year at the G1, Osprey lost a lot basically because, I mean, in my mind, because he was kind of on a crusade as like this super junior who could was saying he could defeat heavyweights, yet perpetually losing to heavyweights. Here we have someone who is supposedly the best the top champion basically of the world of rest all of wrestling and he is looking very weak against someone who's a junior and not even in his weight class yeah i don't think this makes the iwgp belt look good to in my opinion to me like evil's got such a cool look like he's he's so awesome um i don't love bullet club right now it's it's pretty barren um like them doing their bullet club thing at the end with just like gato and dick togo and taiji shimori uh, it was just, I, I, I wasn't like, wow, what a great lineup of people. It was just kind of like, oh, here are the B players. Um, one guy who's like brand new to Bullet Club and then a bunch of people who are like not the main players of Bullet Club. So I, I, I wasn't really a fan of that. Um, Naito versus Evil gets a get a stare down at the end of the match. Naito, another thing, Kevin Kelly pointed this out 10 minutes after I pointed it out. Where the fuck is anyone from Los Ingobernables? Like, where is, where's Bushi? Where's Naito? Like, why is no one... I understand Shingo just had a match, but why is nobody... They The Bullet Club interferes for, like, 15 minutes in this match. And, like, nobody comes out. Finally, Naito comes out and... But that's not... Isn't that stare. when the match is over, though? Naito comes out at the they, end of the match. Like, when it's Yeah, they over. come out with, after the match. Yeah. And, and Kevin Kelly's like, I don't know if, like, Taka said he wanted to do it alone or whatever, but I couldn't get over that. Like, the fact that they didn't come out. Um... It just felt so stupid. Like it didn't. It didn't make any sense to me. Um, and then yeah, Naito comes out and stares down Evil, and the crowd give like a very polite golf clap. It did not. Well, they're not allowed to. Not like a, they're not allowed to react. Well, I understand, but I don't think anyone really. Do you think? Well, they're positioning wants... Naito versus Evil again. Do you think Naito gets his belt back? I hope so. If they're gonna keep booking Evil like this, I hope so too because. Do you not think that Evil needs to like just like get a clean victory to be a convincing champion? He can't cheat every single time. No, I absolutely think so. But I also think that like thinking about who is in uh, in the thinking about the New Japan roster that's there right now, I feel like they need Naito to be the champion so that way they like that. Uh, we just we just watched uh, last week Wrestle Kingdom ten and Goto versus Naito was like really sick. Goto versus Evil doesn't seem like the most exciting. Like it just, we know what's going to happen. Dick Toko's going to interfere. Evil. Yeah, I can't believe you gave this a B plus. Honestly, it was like a B B plus for me, and then by the end of it, it was a B minus B. I loved Hiromu's performance throughout it all. He's so. It's like it, I feel like was a cool, just like his perseverance and his ability to sort of work the ring, like knocking, knocking Dick Togo out. Kind of he go. There's like that one spot where he goes for the sunset bomb. Stops I was for about a minute, to say that, and then throws. Yeah. Evil into Dick Goto. Well, he goes for the, he Togo. goes for the sunset bomb, and Evil like holds onto the ropes, and then he's got to fight off Dick Togo with like his legs. So he kicks Dick Togo, and then he finally gets Evil. And then when he just takes him, he just throws him at Dick Togo. That was the best spot of the match for sure. I really liked awesome. a lot of that. No, there were some stuff. like good moments. Like, it wasn't like 
I didn't think this was as boring as as Evil and and Naito at all. But yeah, just a, a damn squib of an ending. Like they like three guys had to get involved, and then literally Garote Taka, a junior heavyweight, in order for Evil to get that pinfall, and also he low blows him. Like it was like it was like when Shinsuke kept only winning by like giving low blows. It was like no oh, one's gonna yeah. get into him. Yes. Like you, you, you're not going to get into him. And also it's not the kind of heat that you want. I don't think it's the heat you want. That's like, it's, it's go away heat to me. But Well, and especially like on, in new Japan where we're so used to very high match quality and really crazy outstanding matches for the IWGP belts that, you know, if all of them are just going to end in like, I think it would maybe it's, that's why I kind of like was looking up the different like defenses that Shingo has had. Cause he has had put on more like IWGP worthy defenses, but for the well, never he's, belt, he's also one of only five people to defend the never weight belt more than three times successfully. That's really cool a, to know. It's, it's yeah. a pretty short list. I think I yeah. missed. Did Kevin Kelly say that on commentary? He did. Uh, yeah, there yeah, was yeah, a, a short that. list. It was a Suzuki Goto, and a few other people who were the only people who, because apparently that belt changes hands a lot. Yeah, it does. It kind of, there are points in at least my view of New Japan where you almost forget that that is even a belt, uh, especially when there's way more people on the roster. Like they, they also have the Rev Pro British heavyweight belt too, which Thomas might have brought this up when we were all talking, but uh, the that belt also kind of only seems important when either ZSJ or Tanahashi want it. And then mm-hmm. otherwise, it seems like it's kind of forgotten about. Uh, I thought that was a different promotion, isn't there? A red, it it red is, promotion? but it's de- it's defended in New Japan and part of New Japan. It was that like it was defended at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Sonata versus ZSJ took place, and ZSJ retained. Wow, that must have been awesome. Yes, that was an insane match, especially to see in person. It actually sowed fear in me because Sonata lost, and I thought, oh, they, then I would have seen it. It was the yeah, most recent. Yeah, it was sorry, the most sorry. recent one. Yeah, Sonata sorry. Sonata loses, ZSJ retains, and Sonata, and that's why I was thinking. They're going all in on Sonata because Sonata lost that night, and everyone else in Lij won belts that night. So, do you think uh, Sonata's going to see his day in court? No. <laughs> wow, bleak. Well, I just think like at this point, unless Evil is actually going to keep the belts, like I don't think Evil should beat Naito twice. If that's what they're going to do next, like I think Naito should win that match. Then what was this all for, John? To get evil in Bullet Club, so they have someone leading Bullet Club. I was thinking about it though, because even like Jay, I feel like they could have done that without him. Well, actually, no. I guess that is the way you would do it. You'd have him beat the leader of a different faction. faction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that you're right. Because like a point. Even Jay White's defenses and uh, were good. They were good. Like a lot. Like I loved Jay White's matches, especially his match with Okada. Uh, to me, Jay White is like what evil should be aspiring to, which is like he does cheat sometimes, but also. He can win on his own. Yeah. And then right now it doesn't seem that way. No, it doesn't. No. Yeah, it seems like he's he needs everyone else in order to help win matches. And it's interesting because like I absolutely love the G1. I think it was a 2018 G1 where Bullet Club was interfering a lot and causing a lot of DQs. And they use that as a device sort of like to create a big win for Naito against Tamatanga. I've, I've talked about this for at length in an old podcast that we did. But um yeah, uh, I just think like there is a way to use these wins uh, in a way to build up like someone to take the belt off of the or the belts off of evil in a way where it's like finally that 
person was prepared for Dick Togo and all of these different things. Maybe it will be Naito, and then we get just like a Bullet Club versus Lij War over the next couple of months, which I think would be really cool. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if that's all it was, was to break off. I mean, it makes sense. Break off evil from the group, and then he leads Bullet Club in the absence of Kenta and Jay White, and then Naito gets his belts back. I don't yeah. know. I, that's probably the best case scenario at this moment. I absolutely agree, especially just match quality wise. Uh, yeah, put it back on Naito. Like you said, like put him against Goto, put him against Ishii, like Naito versus Ishii. Ishii. Oh my gosh. Yes, all those people who are right on the edge of becoming like main eventers. Yeah. I- Ishii, um, I was going to say Shingo, but that's he's in the same faction, so probably not Shingo. ZSJ, but, Tai Chi. Yeah. yeah. Like Tai Chi versus him. Naito sounds awesome like it would be really yes. good tai chi versus evil does not okay now that we're totally in fantasy land who would you have naito eventually drop that belt back to or to who would be your next if you could get to pick next like a, ID, d- are they champion. a double champion also or just just can just just only consider the 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 top one so if i'm doing it from my own perspective like a wrestler that i love i want somehow i want ishii to get to that point uh, I think that would be really cool and surprising. And, you know, chaos, he's in chaos, which is led by Okada, but I think it would be an interesting surprise upset that wouldn't be as like, like he would defend it, hold it and have a dominant, it'd be cool to see him have a dominant reign. I think he should like, I think that would be really I awesome. could see him just like taking a rainmaker from Okada and just not going down. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And then Okada's like scrambling, like, Oh my God, how am I going to beat this person? Yeah, I could see Ishii, because Ishii is going to eventually be like someone like Suzuki. Like, yes. he'll just be like, you know. Not necessarily a New legend. Japan dad, but a legend that fucks people up. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think, I don't know. Yeah, that, that in my dream world, if we're in fantasy land, that's who's the next IWGP champion is. Uh, if we're doing it, like, logically, probably it's going to be Okada again soon. He can't stay away from those belts too long, right? <laughs> well, I was going to say, like... What do you think? To me, that would be... Well, to me, that would be a great... Well, I guess they just they just did it. But it would just... I don't know. I could just see Naito versus Okada, but this time... No, Naito already beat Okada. Yeah, I don't know. Right? That's who he beat at the last year. Yeah, it was Okada. that's who he won so, the two belts from. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. The rematch seems too soon, I think, like to mix it up. It would make sense for him to drop like the Intercontinental belt to somebody. And then if the rematch is just for the singular belt, let it be to Okada, you know, and then someone else wins it. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting uh, because we last week, I think we went through and started to name all the people that aren't there. And there isn't that many people missing, but it feels like there's a lot of people missing. It feels like they still have a stacked roster. Yes. But... There are just some notable people not there. Like Will Ospreay, I always think, like, I wonder what Will Ospreay would be up to. Because it really did feel like they were eventually... It's going to be his year. Their... Yeah. Well, Will Will Ospreay putting on those pounds and then becoming a, a heavyweight. Like, yeah. Who, he, yeah, it really did feel like he was going to be the next the next uh, Kenny Omega, basically. And I guess he will be once he arrives. I hope he's doing okay. Me too. Dude, next week... Summer Struggle. I feel like you probably will only watch the headliner from that. Did you see who is what's it? What's Summer Struggle? It's the New Japan event that happened last night. Oh, who, what was the headline? Rematch of the Century. Nagata versus Suzuki. 
Oh, yes. I'm totally watching that. I'm and then the rest is mixed tags that all I don't know. I mean, I'm going to watch him, but I, I don't think you need to. John, what did you think of my classic match recommendation? Oh, my gosh. Mark had me watch the longest wrestling match in history. Uh, dude, dude, I watched it, too. OK, wasn't just you, but we I watched it together. So it's really hard for me to actually get to a point of feeling like, I don't know if I can watch this on top of everything else. Cause I mean, I'm drawing all day so I can throw things on and it's not a big deal to have on in the background, but, uh, Mark is going on vacation with his family this weekend. So we were recording this early and the time that I slotted to watch this match was tomorrow morning, which is, you know, too late. So I watched this classic match, which is, Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And yeah, it was it was a really, really great match. The match is 56 minutes long. <laughs> and How long was it, John? Did it feel long? It felt long, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as long as Randy Orton versus uh, Edge. Actually, it was actually technically longer than that. But at least there was action. I think it was long. It was definitely longer than that, but it was like a million times. It was in a completely different different league. Dude, this match took place April 2nd, 1989 at the Superdome in New Orleans. The Nature Boy Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat did battle at WCW Clash of Champions 6 in a 2 out of 3 falls match. We see Steamboat in ring with presumably his wife in a wedding gown and their child in a dragon costume. Flair is introduced as a challenger and is greeted with jeers from the crowd. As soon as the announcer makes mention of Steamboat, the crowd comes unglued. Jim Ross's voice begins to crackle over the broadcast as he welcomes Terry Funk to the broadcast table. Flair and Steamboat begin with a collar and elbow tie-up as Funk and JR start to call the match. Steamboat presses Flair into the corner and slaps him right in the face. The camera pans out to show Steamboat and Flair in a stare down. The camera work here is superb and reminds me of the best aspects of New Japan. Steamboat wrenches a headlock and is countered by Flair, who knocks Steamboat to his knees using an overhead wrist lock. Steamboat begins to tremble as the crowd lets out a woo for Flair, gaining the upper hand. Steamboat counters and Flair rolls to the outside to cool the energy down. This is obviously a mistake as he rolls back in and this match starts to pick up with Steamboat getting a flurry of offense in as the announcer lets the wrestler know, wrestlers know that five minutes have passed. The crowd cheers and yells as the voices of Terry Funk and Jim Ross fizzle over the broadcast, denoting how physical this match really is. Funk notes that these strikes are hard enough to make a person retire. Steamboat returns to wrenching a headlock at the center of the ring on Flair. This is the first moment that it feels like someone really has the upper hand. Steamboat crashes down on Flair with clubbing blows to his neck and head. Flair screeches in agony as Steamboat slowly works Flair around the ring. Flair gets the upper hand for a moment and throws down a colossal chop into the corner that could crumble a marble statue to dust. But Steamboat evades and gets another sequence of offense in as Flair is on his knees begging for a break. The announcer states that 10 minutes have passed. This gives Flair an opening to get some offense in, but Steamboat is too quick as the dragon continues on dominating the match. The incredible display of offense crescendos yet again to the center of the ring where Ricky wrenches a headlock followed up by clubbing blows to the neck of Ric Flair. The crowd is absolutely wired as fans begin to chant Steamboat in unison like they are a hometown football crowd rooting for their team to win the Super Bowl. Steamboat channels the energy of the crowd into a huge sequence of offense that knocks Flair down so hard he spills out into the, out of the ring. Flair saunters into the crowd as he is pelted with garbage like he is Onita making his entrance against Masahiro Chono. 
This crowd hates Ric Flair and wants to see the dragon retain his title. The camera cuts to a group of girls holding a sign proclaiming we love WCW as Flair makes his way back to the ring and the announcer calls out 15 minutes have passed. Steamboat hits a huge vertical suplex to a colossal splash that is countered by Flair in a desperation move. Terry Funk points out that it is odd to hear the phrase the challenger Ric Flair as he is such a dominant champion. Flair gets some offense in as he begins to gain control of the match. He goes for a series of pinfalls that don't quite take. The two begin to trade chops back and forth and Steamboat goes for a huge drop kick but misses. Flair goes in for a submission hold and in 19 minutes and 33 seconds, the Nature Boy is the winner of the first fall. The broadcast cuts to a commercial. We return to the wrestlers staring each other down in the ring as the crowd chants Go Steamboat. The pace picks up as Steamboat throws down a huge avalanche chop from the top rope to a quick two and a half count. I don't think words can articulate the volume of this crowd. The booming energy behind Steamboat is incredible. Steamboat has a, string, has a string of offense that culminates into a figure four. Flair is down and close to tapping, but makes his way to the ropes. Steamboat pulls Flair back by the legs and uses his own momentum to make him flop onto the ground. As Flair rolls around the ring, Steamboat pulls him toward the center to wrench in a Boston Crab. Flair makes his way to the ropes once again, but is howling in agony and is begging Steamboat to give him a break. The two lock up once again, and Flair begins to regain control of the match. Flair wrestles Steamboat to the outside and launches the dragon into the guardrail multiple times. Steamboat makes his way back to the ring as the two begin to trade blows again. Steamboat meets Flair in the, in the corner and throws down a King Kong avalanche superplex, crushing the spine of Ric Flair. The dragon has the upper hand as he wrenches a double chicken wing right at the center of the squared circle. Flair taps as he screams out in agony at 34 minutes and 12 seconds. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat has even the playing field as the broadcast cuts the commercial once again. We return to the ring as the dragon is wrenching a hammerlock as the announcer states that 35 minutes have passed. Steamboat goes for a pinfall but Flair kicks out at 2. The Nature Boy is center ring on his knees begging for Steamboat to give him a break. Steamboat does not oblige and whips Flair hard into the corner. Both wrestlers are drenched in sweat as they saunter around the ring trading massive chops back and forth. Back and forth. Both wrestlers are staggered and having trouble staying grounded. The dragon whips the nature boy into the corner and Flair flops over the turnbuckle and evades to the outside. Rogue Flair crawls back into the ring and asks for a timeout. The dragon ignores Flair's calls for mercy once again and is met by Flair attempting another illegal pinfall. The offense slows down as Flair and Steve are gassed. They crawl around the ring, striking one another when they get, to get an opening. At this point, it's anyone's game as each wrestler has the upper hand to varying degrees. They stumble around the ring with both Flair and Steamboat throwing down offense where they can. With 10 minutes left, Steamboat has the upper hand. Flair heads to the rope, but Steamboat hits him with a chop and throws him clear across the ring. Steamboat wrenches the double-armed chicken wing once again as he pins Flair's shoulders to the mat for the victory. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat wins in about 56 minutes probably just a little under that since that was the length of the actual video 54 minutes most likely dude this whole match i absolutely loved you know after watching so many like i did that drawing of nick gage this week so i watched a lot of his matches on youtube we watched dynamite i watched dark we watched gcw all weekend so this was a very wrestling heavy week and to end it with this match is a good like cherry on top as you know i I have said in past that I just don't, I didn't like Ric Flair as a kid, didn't, wasn't a fan of him. And to go back as an adult and watch these matches is really cool. I loved this match. Give it an A slash A plus. Uh, 
even though it was very long, it was worth it. And we'll say <laughs> it didn't feel, it did not feel long. That match felt maybe like 20, 22 minutes, not 56 Oh, wow. So, I honestly didn't think that you had liked it just because you texted me afterwards and was just like, that was so long. Uh, I, I genuinely feel bad that number one, I dropped the longest match on you. It never even occurred to me just because you just talk about how you're watching wrestling all the time. And I was just like, oh, well, this well, would be Well, and I because... scheduled my whole week around this kind of stuff. So like, it's, I know. And then the I, time was blocked out for Saturday. I know. And then I, I, I realized that I'd be out of town and I could still record, but it would probably be better doing it today. So I, I mean, I, I also like sort of put aside work to watch Sunjoku Lord and then to watch, uh, that, that Ric Flair match, um, yeah, I love that Steamboat is the babyface, but he works like an intense heel. Like he's working uh, parts yeah. of like Ric Flair's body, like going after him and stuff. And I, I love that that he brings that energy. Like he's, um, yeah, he's almost he's more of an antihero in in the way that he wrestles, but he's definitely a hero in like his like spirit and stuff and like his persona. I thought that was really cool. I'm also just amazed that you watched that match like an hour before we started recording this, not even we pretty much recorded afterwards and you somehow still like, I didn't expect you to have like a, a long piece written out. I love how you structured that around the, um, the time left. <laughs> I think that's a great way to do it for like a 60 minute, basically two out of three falls match. Yeah. It's um, so it's like, hard, it's hard to sort of like, it's, it would have been easy to get lost in that. Cause there was a lot of, you could just keep talking about equivalent the, offense, defense yeah. happening, like strike, 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 chop between flare steamboat. Yeah. So it's like I think you really captured the the energy of it. I I strongly recommend anyone to go back and watch that match. Of course I would watch the their first match in the Shytown Rumble first. I had always planned on recommending these three matches to you. You'll be very glad to know the last one is only 30 minutes long. If it's longer it's fine. I mean I watched the 30 minute stare down so you know. It's just... I I was going to say that it's only 20 minutes longer than that goddamn stare down. Yeah, maybe pick it on a week where it's not a we're not doing an emergency podcast recording a day early. John, what do you got for me? I do. Uh, through the middle of that, you may have heard me mention a match where that this reminded me of where Flair is being pelted with food. I compared it to a match for, where we find Onita facing Masahiro Chono. You have a, a very keen way of picking wrestlers that I want to know more about who like I hear about all the time. I can hear about Anita, but I, 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 especially Chono. I hear people talk about Chono all the time. I see him on Dave Meltzer's by the way, Dave Meltzer gave all those three flare steamboat matches, five stars. Uh, and he actually broke the scale for one of them. That was like a house match. Gave it six stars, but uh, I don't think there's a good quality version available, but yeah. So these are two wrestlers that I want to know more about. I felt like it was great last week when I got to know more about um, Shibata. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to see this Chono match. Yeah, this is it is an electric dynamite barbed wire match. Uh, <laughs> no rope explosive barbed wire death match. Onita versus Masahiro Chono, and uh, it's I've I've been I've been working on a new zine so that everyone following the Torture Act Instagram account seen something I posted yesterday. Uh, I've been working on kind of a new zine that kind of mines different graphics, and uh, I just bought uh, a magazine uh, online that has pictures of this match in it because i like this match so much this onita's entrance here in this match may be my favorite entrance in all of wrestling wow i don't want to say that much was one more, thing but... that i i was sad we didn't really get uh, steamboat's entrance on the video we watched 
for the yeah. two or three falls. Oh, true. Falls. Right. Yeah. And we didn't get much post match either. It just sort of ended. That's a good point. Um, also, I'll look online. I'll make sure the. I'll send you a link. I'll make sure that you have the right uh, the match, and it's not just the match because the the build the prior to it, it's. It encapsulates. It's a good first Onita match to watch if you've not watched. I, I think you might have watched one of his other matches because I think I, I at one point sent you a list of my favorite wrestling matches and Onita and Hayabusa versus Hayabusa from uh, uh, 1995 when FMW was there on that, and um, you might have watched it then. But uh, I think this is just a good first introduction to his character. For those of you listening that maybe don't know much about Onita, uh, check out this match. It's really cool and just sort of the the historical context of like getting to know Onita or getting to know a character uh, that's wrestling in a promotion that maybe, you know, you don't know that much about. This is a great example of that. You really get his character immediately uh, upon his entrance. Uh, his music can't be matched. He entr- his entrance music is a wild thing. Can't wait to talk to you about it next week. Uh, I cannot wait. Cannot wait to watch it. And hear more about it. This has been another episode of the Torture Act Podcast. You can follow my co-host, John F. Malta, at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Basque, at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow us at Torture Act on Instagram. What are we watching this week, Johnny? New Japan, Summer Struggle, GCW, Keep in Touch, AEW Dynamite, and a little bit of everything in between. I'll send you that Nick Gage MJF match because I think that'd be a fun one to talk about. Uh, Would love to watch that as and well. And I think you'll like it a lot. I, I sent it to Thomas too. But uh, yeah, those will be the, the events for this week, unless I'm forgetting something. Sounds like enough to me.